Welcome to SickCast, brought to you by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. Introducing Pega Megoya, Expression of Love, new translations of a selection of guzzles from Painandlal Goya. Today's podcast begins with the recitation of Painandlal's guzzle in Persian, followed by a new English transcreation, the result of a unique collaboration between Dr. Fatima Fayaz and Dr. Nadra Khan of Lahore University of Management Sciences, Damanpreet Singh, writer and graduate student, and Inikor of Sikri. Followed by a discussion between Daman and Inni about the beauty of the guzzle and the transcreation process. امشب به تماشای رخ یار توان رفت سوی بت عاشق کش ایار توان رفت در کوچه عشق ارچه محال است رسیدن منصور صفت با قدم دار توان رفت ای دل به سوی مدرسه گر میل نداری باری به سوی خانه خمار توان رفت چون خاطرم از عشق تو شد رشک گلستان بیهوده چرا جانب گلزار توان رفت ای دل چو شدی واقف اسرار الهی در سینه همه مخزن اسرار توان رفت صد روزه رزوان چو در خانه شکفته گویا به چه سوی در و دیوار توان رفت Tonight, one may proceed to gaze upon the beloved's face towards the one who is mysteriously merciless towards the lover. Although it is impossible to arrive at the lane of love, one may walk towards the gallows in the footsteps of Mansur. O oh heart, if you don't desire to go to a seminary, you may proceed towards a winehouse once. As your love has made my imagination the envy of a blooming garden, Why may one proceed towards the garden then? O oh, heart, since you are aware of divine secrets, I can proceed within myself, O oh, treasure of secrets. A hundred paradisical gardens have bloomed in the house. Goya, why should one proceed elsewhere? So Guru Fateh, this is Inikor in conversation with Daman Preet Singh on Ghazal number 12 from Painand Lal's collection, Divane Goya. Welcome Daman. I am so looking forward to speaking to you about this particular Ghazal, which is one of my favorites so far. Um, so uh, before we go there, how are you? You know, it's, it's a strange time, just you, you're okay? Yeah, it is a strange time. I'm excited to be back in conversation with you. Um, it's a this guzzle is one of my favorites too, because it's kind of perfect for springtime, which is the season we're in. But it's also, I think, a difficult guzzle to talk about, as as I think we'll we'll explore together because 
it's hard to perceive beauty in times when we see like so many preventable deaths happening around us and so much pain and loss. So I'm excited to think a little bit about like how we might think about these tensions through through this guzzle. Yeah, agreed with you. You know, um, while I was preparing for this podcast and I was reading the uh, the guzzle and there is, you know, every guzzle has this repeated word. And in this guzzle, it is Tavana Raft. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm butchering it. <laughs> I'm butchering the translation. So I, I apologize. But, you know, I, I, looking at the translation, like this word l- leads to movement, like there's something happening in this entire guzzle. Mm-hmm. And we are feeling that and we are moving towards something. So I know we have talked a lot about it, the four of us, about how to translate this, this these two words. But if you could explain to us what these two words really mean, and that will help us go through the the guzzle, keeping those two words in mind mm-hmm. and be able to maybe, you know, the, the listeners will be able to feel that movement. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So the repeat the repeated words in this guzzle are, as you say, the von Ruft, which means um roughly means one so raft is of is the past participle of raftan which means to go in persian so the verb to go um and when you add davan which comes from davistan which means um to be able to the this form may mean something along the lines of one may go or one may proceed or it is possible to go, or it is possible to proceed. And as we'll go through each couplet, you know, we settled on something slightly different for each each couplet, um, because in the English, it's not quite possible to convey all of the meanings and all of the nuances, um, as you might get in Persian from Davon Raft. But exactly like you're saying, it's an idea, it's conveying the possibility of movement and the ability to go towards something. And I think often we'll use the word towards or proceed um, instead of go. Um, but yeah, it's this one is, I think, interesting because it's a verb. And I think that's new in the context of the other guzzles we've done so far in terms of the repeated word. Hmm. Okay. So the first couplet is tonight one may proceed to gaze upon the beloved's face towards the one who is mysteriously merciless towards the lover. I know we had a lot of back and forth on the word, you know, when we settled on the word gaze. Mm -hmm. And I think our listeners would love to know how we settled on that word. But there is also, you know, the word proceed, which you have explained before. So tonight we may, we can, it's possible to gaze upon the beloved's face. Mm -hmm. And what I found, yeah, let's talk about the first line and then I'll talk about the second line because the second line has so much depth Mm -hmm. that I think if we put them together, we might lose our audience, but and we may not capture the beauty of what actually what is being said and the depth of these two lines. Yeah, yeah. I think that 
the word gaze so the mashaya rokeya tavon raft is suggestive of you know one might watch the beloved's face or look at the beloved's face we settled on gaze upon um which arguably is different from watching or looking um it does suggest an intimacy i think um and i think in the original persian there is an intimacy also um even as as we kind of stray from the exact literal translation um but that was kind of the debate we had about gaze um and i think ultimately in the english this is the word that conveys the intimacy and the love that comes with you know what you know that doesn't come with watching or looking at what someone's face or the beloved's face and that's always been the challenge how do you convey that intimacy which the original word you know if we went literal from one to the other did not convey watch is different than gaze gaze and gaze i feel i felt that there was a longing mm-hmm. you know you're just absorbing you're admiring mm-hmm. you gaze upon something that you need you want a connection with or it's beautiful or there is something there mm-hmm. uh, that that is there so in the in the second line um which we have translated of the first couplet ir which is the metaphor for beloved and i know in the ghazal number 1 for the same word we used unfathomable so we translated ir in the first ghazal as unfathomable and here we have chosen to write mysterious mm-hmm. and i know that was an intentional choice but these are the attributes the characteristics that are are you know which every word um has it's also i you know and this is where we you know when we say beloved just beloved it is it's only one sense of connotation but then in ir i was i was explained i mean there was this wonderful discussion about what were the characteristics and what were the things that this word is bringing out so speak to us about that yeah so i think i would i would want to point out to things in this line so the first is that so in the first line we got um rukhayar which is yar which is a word that i think you know um is in punjabi is often translated as friend is also suggestive of a beloved um which is how we've translated it here and in the second line of this couplet we have the beloved referred to not as yar but as ashiq or lover right so that's an important difference from the beloved to the lover. Mm-hmm. Um so we've now shifted our attention from gazing at the lover gazing at the beloved and now we're thinking about what's happening to the lover himself and arguably this is Nantlal talking about himself or the mm-hmm. speaker or the speaker that was talking about himself. So I think that's something important to note is I think like that shift would be very clear in the Persian and i think in the english you know bringing that to the attention of the the listeners and the readers um but yeah i are from unfathomable to mysterious yeah i i'm trying to recall the debate we had like when we when we had that discussion but it seems to me so the word ir also suggests not only mystery 
but it also suggests kind of um, cunning. It can suggest um, kind of wandering, right? Like the wandering itinerant um, kind of mysterious person you might describe as IR. Um, so I don't think mysteriously merciless captures all of those meanings, but there is there are various layers to how um, that word is understood. And I think the shift from unfathomable to mysterious is important because un whereas unfathomable suggests something that, you know, you can't grasp or know, mysterious is more playful. Again, it's more intimate. It's more, um, it's more how you would describe a beloved rather than something that you, you just have no grasp of or no understanding of, right? You can figure out a mystery in theory. Um, if something is unfathomable, you just can't figure it out. So I think, again, we are trying to convey the intimacy and the playfulness that would come through very readily in the Persian through these choices. But, you know, there is this word merciless towards the lover. So this beloved has the power, that playfulness to really when we say, you know, when you look at the beloved, that beloved has the power to actually kill you. Mm -hmm. It's that bit, that merciless. And you yet the one who can take your life, mm -hmm. the one who you would die for, mm -hmm. that's that mess. You still are attracted because there's something a lot more powerful that goes there. Yeah, and it also seems to me, again, to be this idea of longing and there's a, a loss that you're trying to recover with your beloved that, you know, is also a merciless thing. Right. Uh, you know, when I was reading uh, this particular line and this particular word, it reminded me of how in Gurbani, in the sixth scripture, in the script, um, you know, how the guru, where the word for the divine comes up, you know, it's Har, uh, Hari, Ram, Bhagwan, you know. And if we just translate those words as divine or quote unquote, however you want to call it, if you choose to say God, which, which I, you know, it just takes away that quality, that intimacy, like Ram mm -hmm. is the beautiful, the charming, so mm -hmm. that comes through. Now, Hari is that remover of suffering. So Bhagwan is the adorable one. So this is the, so when I was with that word there, I'm looking at it that this is a beloved who does not care about the lover. This is a carefree beloved. Mm -hmm. And you're ready to give everything up for this carefree beloved. And it's not in the literal sense that he's that this beloved is killing the lover, but it's a metaphor mm -hmm. that the beloved actually does not need to pay heed to the lover. It is a lover that is... Um, it's not, I mean, I don't even know, it, you know, it's that tension of that relationship between the lover and the beloved. And what does the lover feel that the beloved is doing? And there, you know, at times there's an intimacy and then at times there's a distance. And when there's that distance, you know, the lover, the seeker says, where are you? Mm -hmm. Why don't I feel you? Mm -hmm. Why are you silent? Why are you distant? So there seems to be two levels, right? There's the... So there's the beloved that's always carefree, that one 
feels various sorts of longing for, um, at times feels very close to, or might feel very connected to, but then at other times you might feel very disconnected from, from the beloved. You might not feel like you understand, or you might feel like it's unfathomable, right? That you, you would be able to, you know, connect with whatever this beloved is. But then there's also like the level of like the world, right? So like there's a, there's a, there's a, it's a very, so like one interpretation, and I think this might be like, an, an, in my understanding, this would be contrary to a sick interpretation is that when looking for one's connection to one's beloved, you look inside, you go inward, you retreat inward, right? And it's all about your, your own practice getting towards, you know, the classic example of the yogis going into the mountains and which Buren Singh will call not Simran, right? Which, which he'll say is, is a dead form of connection and is that not actually the sick form of Simran. So, you know, this is maybe a digression, but in a context where we are living in unprecedented, among unprecedented death, where it might feel like, and I personally have felt over the past two weeks, very disconnected from a divine or the beloved or Ikwankar. It's very difficult for me to understand this present moment while also knowing that you know there you know there's something you know there's hook, something called hookum and how do we understand it so i'd be curious especially in a context of a guzzle like this where by nanzal is being is presenting us with a very intimate account and i kind of get worried about like making this kind of intimate account like entirely personal in a way that i think is like dangerous um so i'm yeah so i think i'm curious about that and how how do we what does how do we read something like this today um and try to think about those different levels because i think also i'm trying i'm thinking about like you know the art and we've talked about this in past podcasts is where the argument that um, Lou Fennec makes, for example, the one of the scholars who studied who studied by Nandlal in English, um, which is why I know his work the most of the scholars on by Nandlal, is that he was appropriating the Sufi form of the Ghazal and Sufi form of talking about the divine, and making an argument through that form for another form of connection, another form of Simran. So I, I think it might be good to like try to think that through, especially this during this month's um, podcast. You know, you said something interesting that you feel distant mm -hmm. from the divine, from Ikumkar, from whatever the beloved is. And I can tell you also, you know, I've been through my share of three and a half weeks of being in in a no man's land. Mm -hmm. um, in that time, then in that entire time, there was never once a moment there was a tension or it was, I am in this, in the present. I was very much in the present and saying, whatever is happening, whatever I'm experiencing, it is in hookah. And so I think that's where the, and and, and this sort of, and it's 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 going to come out arrogant 
but it isn't. It's coming out of, of a place of sharing. It's coming out of a place of when you have experienced something. So it's also being very vulnerable for me right now. It is actually, I was speaking to a dear friend of mine, and I told her it was, it was like, how do you know it is the truth? For me, I stood witness to the truth, and therefore it is the truth for me. So in those three weeks, three and a half weeks, what I was witnessing, what I was experiencing, was really my reinforcement of the truth, of the truth which I knew was out there, which I had heard about, which has been written, and which is articulated, but I experienced it. So for me, that beloved uh, was very close in that point in time. At other points in time, I say, I have said, where is this connection? Why am I not feeling this? Um, and it, it is, part of it is yourself. And part of it is a force also, which is, enables you to experience that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that answers the question, honestly, because I don't know if there is an answer. It is, it's a collection of experiences. And this is also Pai Nansla's collection of what he's experiencing with the guru, because his beloved is the guru. Right. No, certainly. Yeah, I think the what I'm trying to say more is that... <clears throat> What we're witnessing right now in terms of the multiple genocides that are happening as we record this podcast is certainly not hookum. It's certainly a straying away from hookum. True. And that is what I, I think I'm trying to say. I think it is we it is how we how we handle it through rage, through service, through love through compassion or through saying it doesn't really matter, it does, I'm not concerned with it. Right. And that's the humanity element of it. Things are going to be happening continuously around us. The world will continue, you know, the wind, the sun is up, the moon. People do think it's our reaction. How do we do it? How do we rise to these occasions and serve? Or, or we can... Um, or we can be like the black marketers and make a profit out of it. Right. Right. And those are the choices and those are the things that determine our action and our place in within ourselves. Mm -hmm. Never mind. I mean, you know, whatever society doesn't really matter is within ourselves. How do we define ourselves and our place within ourselves? How do we look ourselves in the mirror and say, say yes, it's okay or it's not okay? And, you know, the more sensitive you are, the more um, in tune you are with humanity and feeling the pain of every individual and every being um, and even, even planet Earth. Mm -hmm. That is what an awareness is. That is what is living in Hukam, mm -hmm. is that acceptance and th there is your place and you work from it. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I know we've digressed a lot. We've digressed so much. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> let's try and come back let's to the come back. Let's come back. Okay. Let's let, let me read the first couplet again before we go to the second, because mm-hmm. I think we may have lost that that beautiful uh, thread which uh, Painandlal has put together for us. So the first couplet says, Tonight, one may proceed to gaze upon the beloved's face towards the one who is mysteriously merciless towards the lover. Although it is impossible to arrive at the lane of love, one may walk towards the gallows in the footsteps of Mansoor. I know we may we spoke about Mansoor in our in our previous ghazal. I think it was in ghazal number eight, and um, you know that for his belief when he said Anahak that I am the truth, mm-hmm. he was he was beheaded, and yet they asked him to change what he said, and he said no. Mm-hmm. So he gave up his life for what he truly believed, Mm -hmm. that I am the truth, because he experienced something. And in this moment, you know, particularly around this time and having been so unwell as well, this was that moment of reflection and pause for me. Yes, when I say I have witnessed the truth, will I have the strength to do what Mansoor did? Mm -hmm. If I am challenged, will and so this is that reflection. So the you know, on on this guzzle, but the purest in me, honestly, would have preferred Daman to have said to have translated it as one may proceed towards the gallows in the footsteps yeah. of Mansoor instead of one may walk. I felt I feel proceed is is a little bit more forceful, mm-hmm. but, but we chose on walk. Uh, but, you know, although it's impossible to arrive at the lane of love, yeah, I don't know if it is impossible, but he is saying so. One may walk towards the gallows in the footsteps of, maybe I won't get to my beloved, mm-hmm. but will I be able to do what Mansoor did mm-hmm. for what I believe in. And that's what I feel because in the first one, you know, he talked about the beloved being that merciless that, you know, takes your life. Am I willing to give up my life? Mm-hmm. Something so precious that we value. So, you know, that was a couple of things. But the word also, kuche. You know, my grandmother would use the word asi us kuche vich and it mm-hmm. never, I never truly understood kuche and what it really meant. And I think I don't know whether we do justice to the word lane. What are your thoughts um, on this couplet, Taman? Yeah, I think your explanation is really helpful. Um, I think it is interesting that we chose. I think again in terms of wanting to convey me, um, movement and and the the kind of process of going towards something that comes through in this guzzle, we chose walk to emphasize that imagery. 
Um, and I think also to like contrast it with the impossibility of arrival that comes in the first um, line of this couplet, because right throughout the guzzle, we'll see him thinking about going towards something and there isn't quite an arrival. Um, lane of love, kuche ishk is interesting because I guess lane does, lane of love, kuche ishk is interesting because it does, I think, convey a sense. I'd be curious, like, in your understanding, how you understand that word, if you were, like, to try to describe a kuche, but it does seem like it's very much not, like, a, a thoroughfare or a main road or a very well-paved road even, right? It's a it's an alley, I imagine, a winding alley, like, in Amritsar or something, right? Like, something very narrow, winding, unpaved, and kind of um, confusing, right? And that's what I'm... And I don't think Lane gets there, Um as you're saying, Ali was another word we played with. I don't know if Ali gets there either. Um, but I think it is, for me at least, it, and it, it conveys a very particular image. Mm. I think because I, you know, my grandmother would use it so much, I see us kuche which rendesi. So for me, kuche was something small, something right. circular, something that was protected mm -hmm. um, and but it was, I always felt it being circular. Mm -hmm. And there were a couple of other people, uh, other families maybe, but it was smaller. Yeah. It was not just one family. It was a couple, you know, three or four, and, but it was secluded. You had to go there. It was an effort to get to that kuche because then you went to the next kuche. So it was like, um, you know, it was contained. Yeah. It was a, arriving at that place. And Lane that does not convey that right right yeah i think it's it doesn't right because even i'm think <clears throat> i'm thinking like you know you're not you have to apologies for giving so many city examples <laughs> but you know you're you're not in the center of the city right you're straying away from whatever the you know downtown or whatever i'm really just to be fully honest with our listeners i'm really just imagining amritsar right now but, you know, you're not in, um, you're not walking toward their bar side or whatever, right? You're like in one of the back lanes and it's kind of feels like an enclave, right? What you're, mm -hmm. what you're suggesting. It's not, yeah, I think if we were to go back to it and have more of this discussion, I think I'm realizing that Lane is maybe not conveying any of this. Um, but it is conveying that it's like not a main road. So maybe somewhat successful. <laughs> Why didn't we come up with Enclave? Because that's is a little bit closer to Kuche, I feel, at this point in time. Mm -hmm. And this is how it is. It is, you know, the more you delve into the word and the more you engage with the guzzle, how your understanding changes. Mm -hmm. And you look back, I mean, we've worked on this. It's not even been, you know, a few months. And yet mm -hmm. we are saying maybe this word we could change. Mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and I think that's the beauty of, of this of the guzzles. Mm -hmm. So the third couplet says, which is very interesting, oh heart, if you don't desire to go to a seminary, you may proceed towards a wine house once. Daman, unpack this for us, please. <laughs> I mean, you've got the seminary, you've got the wine house, yeah. you've got the heart. I mean, you've got everything happening here. 
Yeah, so I think there's a, the most interesting thing here maybe is the contrast between the madrasa and the khane khamar or the tavern, bar, what we've called the wine house. Um, madrasa is also in Persian and also in Arabic-speaking places, the word for school. We've gone with seminary in particular here because um, our interpretation of this ghazal is he's thinking about, you know, how does one understand this mysteriously merciless beloved? Or how does one try to walk towards the gallows in the footsteps of Mansur? And he's kind of, the way I'm interpreting it is that he's kind of having a struggle with himself. And he's saying, you know, there are like institutions to which one goes to try to obtain this education. And it really does become an education. And it becomes about you know, learning things as one would in a school. And I think he's trying to say, you know, so we've interpreted as him talking to him, his heart and speaking directly to his heart, which was a debate we had, you know, he might, in the way we've done it, it's him addressing his heart and saying, okay, if you don't want to go to the seminary for the formal education that one receives to learn the divine secrets or to become pious, then go to the wine house, right? There's other venues, there's other ways in which one can follow the footsteps of Mansur or, you know, walk on this path of reverence bondage, right? However we want to interpret it and however we want to describe it here. Um, so of course the wine house is suggestive of intoxication. It's suggestive of something entirely different from one what what something entirely different from what one does at a school, right? It's, it's uh, again, it's, a, it's somewhat of a playful imagery. It's also, you know, a place where one goes to, you know, do things that are not um, entirely sanctioned by mainstream society, et cetera, right? It's a, it's a different type of space. Also, the wine house, of course, is um, an image that comes up in Sufi poetry all the time in terms of the intoxication of one's relationship with the beloved. Um, so again, we see him using that imagery um, and playing with that Sufi imagery. And in this case, he's talking directly to himself or his heart. Mm. You know, when I, I listened to it in the Persian, I felt that the language was flowing and it just, there was such sweetness to it. And here, when we've translated it as ohat, if you don't desire to go to a seminary, you may proceed towards the wine house once. I felt there was such restriction. It is like we've put this flying bird in a box, <laughs> not even in a cage, <laughs> because at least in the cage there is some air and there's some light, but this is like we've boxed it. And I don't know why, you know, I mean, the sweetness in in the in the Persian is is not coming through as much as I would have liked it. And again, you know, the word proceed comes again here. Proceed towards the wine house. Go at least once. Try something different. Mm -hmm. uh, be intoxicated, and that intoxication itself is quite threatening for for many. Mm -hmm. 
you know, first of all, the wine out and that what it represents and be to be intoxicated. But this whole that's this whole relationship between the lover and the beloved, because if there is no intoxication, there is that love is just isn't there. You know, that intensity isn't there. So we're coming to the uh, fourth couplet. As your love has made my imagination the envy of a blooming garden, why may one proceed towards the garden then? Daman, I think I just melted at this one. Isn't this beautiful? The affirmation that love makes one's consciousness so beautiful that even the gardens Mm -hmm. that are in full bloom are envious of one's consciousness that is is awakened. This is that power of love that honestly can make even an unworthy person feel beautiful. I I mean, this couplet was, I mean, this entire guzzle, but this couplet was really so close to my heart. So what are, you know, just the word, I mean, I know we've translated imagination and here, when I went to explain it, I used word consciousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was in what we agreed on, and yet when I look at it, it's different. So what are your thoughts on this exquisite couplet? Yeah, this is really is one of my favorite couplets, I think. And I agree with you, Re rethinking it now that there does seem to be um there seems to be many different ways in which we could have gone with this one as I'm like re-looking you know in real time at the Persian because I think there is a sense here of this represent I think in the broadest context of this puzzle he's turning inward right he's 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 addressed his heart and now he's like fully fully turning inward but I'm trying yeah imagination versus consciousness I think is really interesting because in the Persian they're actually if I were to like try to do a very rough word by word translation and no one should you know quote me on this um but you know it's okay I'm back so khatiram is like because for the sake of, right? We have this word in like Punjabi also, right? Khatir. So he, I think he's saying something like because of, or like as a result of, or because of your love, I've become the envy of the fully blooming garden. And I think that maybe we could even take out imagination or consciousness mm. because I actually think that chun khatiram as ishketo should, which is the verb here, which, mean, which means beca- become, to become and khatiram, the the M at the end of Khatir, the meme in Persian, is suggestive of I. So I wonder if he's actually like going a step further. And he's saying that I myself have become the envy of the blooming garden. Not Isn't this me. connecting to Mansur? Mm-hmm. When Mansur is saying Anahak, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and yes, it's so much in that because. It's not how it is when love enters you, you become beautiful. Mm-hmm. You feel that and you say, I am beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's not 
coming from a place of arrogance. It's actually coming from that recognition that something has entered you, that has lifted you to feel this, and now that is what it is mm-hmm. that you are feeling. Oh, mm-hmm. I love that, what you you know, uh, to even to take out the word imagination, because what you just said was a lot more powerful, and I feel a lot closer to um, to the guzzle, but then that's just me. Yeah, and I mean, this is one of those things where, you know, I would be curious to, for example, talk to um, Fatima and Adra about this, who, of course, um, you know, Fatima has a great knowledge of Persian. So, you know, and this is something that I think maybe we should highlight for our listeners is that I think often in the discussions that we had among the four of us, like me and you would come from, um, you know, I have Persian knowledge, but it's not certainly not as much as Fatima does, for example. And we would come, I think, from like, uh, you know, knowing the Gurbani a little bit more and Fatima and Nadra come from knowing the Sufi literature more. Right. And I think that becomes a really interesting conversation because, of course, mm-hmm. he's he himself is between these two worlds and not not even between. He's knowledgeable about both of these worlds. Right. Um but yeah, I'd be curious to to rethink why we settled on imagination, consciousness, or whether it's whether he's going a step further. I think are um, all you know three different and very powerful interpretations of this line. Um, but again, right, there's a sense of you know the turn inward. It's no longer that you know there's no longer a sense of movement. But now he's questioning what that movement even looks like. Right. Because I've become beautiful. Mm-hmm. He's, that's what he's saying. I've become the envy of the bl- blooming garden, so the blossoming garden. So, wh- you know, why should I go anywhere? Mm-hmm. Why proceed? Why may anyone proceed? Right. Mm-hmm. So let's come to the next one and see what he's saying next. So this is a couple of number five. Um, he's addressing his heart. Oh, heart, since you are aware of divine secrets... I can proceed within myself, O treasure of secrets. Now, I know we spent, I think, the four of us, if we spent 45 minutes plus on this couplet, that's an understatement. Mm -hmm. So I wanted the listeners to know that, that this much has gone into just what goes into uh, these type of translations or transcreations. While this conversation, so I'm just going to just open it up in the sense, I'm just going to put it in what I think this is saying. I feel that this is a conversation between the poet and his heart. Mm -hmm. And he's addressing his heart. Oh, my heart, since you have become a friend of Kada, of the divine, of the whatever it is, you have now, you also have become a treasure of the secrets. Mm -hmm. Because you're a friend, you now you know those secrets. So then my suffer, my journey needs to be within myself. I don't need to go outside anywhere else. Mm -hmm. But then how do you say this in a poetic form, (laughs) Dhamma? Right. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so this is an interesting, right. So there's, there's, I think, multiple, so at the level of like the grammatical, there also are multiple interpretations we could have gone with, right? I think in the first line, it is quite straightforwardly that he's referring to his heart. Um, again, should he, should, we, again, we have the same verb, which means to become, 
So perhaps we could say, oh heart, since you have become aware of divine secrets instead of you are, we chose are both for brevity, but also because there isn't a sense that like you go, for example, go to the school or the seminary to become educated in divine secrets. He's actually suggesting that this is something that is always the state of one's heart. It's a matter of, you know, figuring that out and learning that rather than like learning in a school or whatever. So that's why we went with R instead of become to kind of try to convey this. And in the second line, I still don't know what I, my interpretation would be is it's unclear to me whether he's referring to him. So it's a, I think it's an open question, whether he's suggesting that one becomes, as you were saying, I think that one becomes the treasure as one comes into this love and as one becomes the envy of the blooming garden, you yourself become the treasure. Is he referring to his heart as the treasure of secrets that one needs to unlock or something like this, I think would be a question um, that I am curious about. So the seeker walks to the treasure. The treasure never walks to the seeker. Mm -hmm. So he needs to walk towards the heart. He needs to unlock that heart and go within. Mm -hmm. And that's where he will discover everything. You know, so it is, so for me, that part was okay, was clear mm -hmm. because it, that's the journey because he's talking about the, the um, in the previous one, you know, he's saying that your love has made me so beautiful that I don't need to go anywhere else. I don't need to go to any garden. And then he's saying, he's recognizing that the heart, which was, I think, out of the body, which he placed outside, but that the heart is within your frame, mm -hmm. right? So he, there is that now that ownership that that heart is within me and you that is within me already know these secrets so I need to really get to know you. Mm -hmm. And I feel that's the way I have, yeah. you know, I, I, I understand it at the moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, so, I mean, but, and that's where it is, you know, the one's own understanding, one's own experiences uh, determine so much because we are a product at the end of the day of who we are just just you know and the experiences that we carry mm -hmm. and what we have uh, what we absorb but in the last couplet daman i think it's the culmination a hundred paradisical gardens have bloomed in the house goya why should one proceed anywhere else so for me this is what he has now entered his heart mm -hmm. and in his heart he is seeing all these gardens in bloom, which were outside. And he says, there's nowhere else to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the way I, this journey is taken us on mm -hmm. from the lover to the beloved, the walking, am I ready to pay the price for the truth? Mm -hmm. And then where do I find this truth? Well, how do I become this truth? How do I become beautiful and uh, and know these secrets 
I don't need to go anywhere else. I need to go within. Mm -hmm. And then when he goes within, um, he finds that everything is within and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he's content. He's arrived. You know, this whole thing has been about movement. You know, proceed, proceed, proceed. And then why should anyone proceed? It's like I've arrived. Are you interpreting, and I guess when I say are you, I really mean are we, um, interpreting Darkhane again as the heart, this treasure, this knower of divine secrets, etc. You know, this, this, the heart that, you know, he's addressed directly. So is this what he means by Darkhane? I am... Yeah, I am saying, yes, that's what it is for me, uh, that I have, it's it's like I have come to term peace or I've, I've accepted, not peace is not the right word, I've accepted that the heart and the body, everything is all one. Mm-hmm. And and that's, and therefore when I, that acceptance and I'm, I have seen, I have witnessed I, 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 that there that these hundred heavenly gardens mm-hmm. are within this house. So you could term this house as a frame, mm-hmm. you know, this body, the frame, the heart. Now, like everything is one yeah. at the end of the day. You know, there is that unity. There is that union. There is that, that there's no longer that separation mm-hmm. of the heart being something else. And I'm addressing the heart. It's like everything is one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And I think the one thing I would want to point out also that I think is very interesting in this couplet that we kind of simplified in the English is when the, the second line, why should one proceed elsewhere? Um, it's goya beche suye daro divar, which means um, why should one proceed toward another daro divar means building but literally means um door and wall right so he's he is evoking this very physical imagery of a building why should one proceed towards another you know frame another door and wall another house um which we've we're really struggling with how to convey that in a poetic manner, because Daro Divar is a very, you know, flows very well in the Persian. And, you know, we would have both of those words also in the, in Punjabi. Um, but it was very difficult to convey that poetically in English, which is why we settled on elsewhere. Um, but the elsewhere is very importantly, I think, he's describing as a physical place. So it's interesting, while you were sharing this with me right now, the image of why should I go to another door is very, it's actually, because everything is within my house, I bow within the house, but it's also the house could be the guru's house, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I, I, so why do I need to go to another door? Mm-hmm. Why should I matha take to another door? And mm-hmm. very much that when you accept the guru, when you accept your Sufi master, you know, that's what it is. You don't then leave. You don't go to another door. Mm-hmm. So that came up immediately when you said that. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that reference to that door was so important. Yeah. And I think we missed that here. Yeah. I think we needed to have said that door. 
because the door has such a imagery um, for a seeker. Door has multiple um, because in Barney also it's, it's like I'm sitting outside the door mm-hmm. when when you call me in. Mm-hmm. The seeker's always outside waiting for that call, mm-hmm. and here he is saying that he's received the call and it's blooming and everything. So I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. This door, this is the place. Wow, Daman. That was beautiful. I'm glad you mentioned the door. I had missed that. Yeah. I, and I think, you know, in, again, this is something, you know, a question that I'd be interested in re, re in discussing again with the broader team. Um, and I think this is another one of those moments where the thinking about the two contexts in which he's thinking and writing is really important. Because if I'm remembering correctly, you know, Darodivar is a is a phrase is an idiomatic phrase that suggests a place mm. um, quite broadly from what Fatima was explaining to us. Um, but it is a per- you know, the so the always the struggle with translating idioms is that do you translate the meaning of the idiom or do you translate the idiom literally because when you try to translate an idiom literally it often doesn't make sense in the other language so you know when i say door and wall in english that doesn't mean anything to an english you know they that doesn't convey something immediately um so i think that's another one of these challenges that we come up with it's where he's using imagery that for someone who knows the language for someone who knows the form of the ghazal would already very easily and quickly convey something that in English we really struggle to convey. Uh, but the, the example, perfect example is actually Mansoor mm-hmm. because the minute the word comes up, you know exactly what he's saying. Right. But if a person doesn't know the story of Mansoor or what happened, they would be lost. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen it with Sufi, Zahid, and Kalandar also, which we right. ultimately didn't even try to translate. Um, so I think that's, that's something that is really, I think, crucial to keep in mind, is that, as we've, I think, as we've said in every podcast so far, is that this is very much a, these translations are very much a product of a particular conversation, and even the four of us getting together and trying to do these transitions again, we'd end up with something very different. Uh, agreed. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's been lovely. I would love to thank you. First of all, I have to say thank you to the listeners who've been sending us, um, you know, lovely comments and questions. Can you, uh, can you do a little bit more on something? I think for the next one, we'll take, put that into the guzzle and, and see if we can answer some of your um, questions in the next one. So uh, look out for that, but thank you so much for supporting for your love. And, you know, we do enjoy getting your comments. Uh, I know Daman and I love reading them and say, okay, how did we miss that? Or maybe we, next time we need to be a little clear. But thank you for your love and your support. And um, we hope to, you know, come back to you again very soon. Daman, your last thoughts? What, and, you know, what would you like to share? Yeah, no, I also very much appreciate being able to do this. And I'm so glad that we have um, 
listeners who are interested in what we have to say, which often doesn't <laughs> seem very interesting to me, you know? <laughs> um, so that's always nice to have that affirmation that, you know, maybe something of what we have been thinking about resonates. Um, but yeah, hopefully next time we do this virtual gathering, things are less bleak in the world. It will be what it will be. May we have the strength to absorb, to deal with what comes gracefully, you know, in grace. And that's been the, I think if there's anything else, it is, you know, may we be in grace <clears throat> and, um, and deal with it in the ways which are most honorable and respectful to all. So... Thank you, Zaman. Uh, thank you to our listeners. Until next time, Guru Fateh. You are listening to Sick Cast by Sick Research Institute, illuminating every path. <laughs>